0: Anyway, so it's recording now. I'm going to mute my mic in. Let me know when you're ready to go, okay?
1: Yeah, ready when you are. I can't see you, though. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way, number 309. Steve Smee here. And the big R man, Rick. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? All right, guys. So this is episode podcast 309, and we have a fun one ahead. We're going to talk about myths in this one. We're going to hit you with nine of the biggest myths we could come up with, and we've been racking our brains to come up with them. Three of the biggest steroid myths, and then we got a 10th topic, which is going to be a fun relationship topic. But let's first hit the first myth, Rick. So you came up with the idea for this, Rick. Tell me a little bit about why you want to do this podcast.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. So just uh, we're going to go down some myths all related to uh, steroids and training and, and the lifestyle. And, um, and Steve, you're going to go down the list in the myths and you're going to tell me if you think the myth has no merit, if it's plausible, or if you think it's not a myth at all. And I'll tell you if I think, it's a myth if it's plausible or why, or if it's not a myth at all. So we'll have a, we'll you and I will have to rate each myth and just back up our and back up our rating, obviously. Right. So, um, so that's it, man. Just let's hit it. Ready to go. Got the list in front of you.
1: Yeah. So the first one stare. Yes. First one is steroids burn fat myth or not. So this one is mostly myth. Because steroids, this is why, Rick, and you tell me if you disagree with this, steroids were designed for muscle wasting, to prevent muscle wasting. Now, a couple of them were designed specifically for bodybuilding, but that's to build muscle, build strength. They weren't designed actually to target fat. Now, there is some studies and some evidence that Anavar can burn body fat by doing a couple different things. and like boosting metabolic rate, for example, and, you know, other things. So small, minor things like that. But let's say you're 30% body fat, you can go and you go on steroids. You're not going to lose fat unless you change your diet and you start especially changing your diet, but also, you know, a little bit of exercise obviously doesn't, doesn't hurt either. But I can't tell you how many guys who have gone on steroids who've been 15 20 25% body fat and think that they can just take steroids and burn away all their fat and get under 10%. It just doesn't work like that. You really already have to be lean if you want to get that body that you really want. You can't just depend on steroids to give it to you. What do you think?
0: Yeah, steroids don't directly burn fat. They can have some effects further up the line that can cause fat burning. But, I mean, uh, you know, smoking cigarettes, nicotine has some effects up the line that will cause fat burning down the line, just like steroids do. So, can they contribute? They can contribute to a cutting program. They don't burn fat on their own, on the spot, present there, when it's happening, the way, say, like GW does. So, no, they don't, they don't particularly uh, burn fat. Um, they help in a fat burning regimen. They help you not lose your muscle mass. As you cut calories and you're losing fat, you'll maintain most of your muscle mass. If you're taking the right kind of steroids and training properly, you might even gain a little bit of muscle mass. So overall, once your diet program or your, or your cutting cycle is done, you would have had better results and burn more fat while being on steroids than not. But down to the Molecular level, they don't, they don't actually burn, burn fat uh, in any way. That,
1: that's my spiel on it. All right, guys. So the next one that we're going to talk about, number two myth that we're going to discuss, you can keep your gains long term. So this is another one that's mostly myth, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. There's something called homeostasis in body memory that's involved here. Now, as you get older, if you notice your favorite professional athletes, they get older, they get into their 30s, they get into their 40s, they no longer perform like they did when they were in their 20s and early 30s. And they go into retirement and they're replaced with younger guys. As we get older, our bodies... Don't perform the same way, no matter how much steroids you want to take, no matter how much HGH you want to take. It's just not going to happen. So to think that, yeah, I can just take steroids and gain forever, it's just not going to happen. It's called homeostasis. Your body is going to want to shed the excess muscle. Your body is going to want to wear itself down. It's just your, your disc health. And your spine is going to get worn down. Your nerves are going to start getting pinched. You're going to start getting cartilage and your joints that get rubbed away. So, no, you just can't keep gaining forever. And what we've seen is the, the top bodybuilders are actually late 30s, very early 40s, and then they fall off. Once they get in their mid 40s, late 40s, obviously they fall off. So, you're not just going to gain, if you start lift bodybuilding at 20, so let's say you start using steroids at 20, you're going to get results. If you stay healthy and you keep killing it, you're going to get results year after year, slowly improve. But then it's going to come to a point where you're no, you're no longer going to improve anymore and you're going to start dipping back down. So, that's why I say that you can keep your gains long term is a myth because you really can't. And then also, when you come off steroids, you're not getting those androgens anymore. You're not getting that, that uh, unnatural, excessive hormones in your body. So let's say you ran steroids for five years, okay? And every, each year you ran two cycles. And you put on, say, 20 pounds of good quality mass. You added like 100 pounds to your bench. And then you just stopped using steroids. You're going to lose strength. You're going to lo- start losing strength because you don't have those androgens anymore in your body. You don't have those steroids c- performing what they were doing. And you're going to start losing that muscle mass that you put on. Now, if you put on muscle mass slowly over time, there's a better chance that you'll keep, keep it for a longer point of time versus someone who just hopped on steroids and put on a bunch of weight really, really fast. So it depends. Each person is different. But um, I think this is mostly a myth, and uh, it's a a complicated one. But, Rick, what do you think? Can you simplify it a little bit maybe?
0: It's a myth with a hint of truth. And here uh, I'll tell you where is the actual permanent gains from steroids, and then I'll go into why this is a myth, and there are no real permanent gains from steroids. So the only permanent gains you're going to see from steroids are going to happen in the following way. is when you've been training your body, your muscles. For five to maybe eight years natty, where you push yourself to the point where your genetic limitations will take you. And then you throw a cycle on top of that. You can keep, depending on how big of a guy you are, 10, 15, maybe 20 pounds off of that first cycle. And even if you never touch steroids again, you will be able to keep some of that mass long term from your first cycle after five years of natural training and you'll just keep it just with the natural testosterone levels would be enough to keep and hold on to that mass same scenario 5 8 years of good solid training second third cycle you'll keep a little bit of permanent mass after those as well after your third cycle though that's it you've about you've gained about as much permanent mass that you will be able to keep with your natural testosterone levels. Anything you put on on your fourth and fifth cycle and sixth cycle, now you're looking at playing catch up. You're going to make some some good bit of progress. You have to post-cycle therapy properly, you know, with H E generate, intergenerate, uh, ES version, mm-hmm. and Clomid to make sure that you uh, regain your natural testosterone production and, and hold on to that mass. You might need to bridge in between cycles, you know, I have a great product called Bridge on n2bm.com. And you're going to maybe take some SARMs in the middle to hold on to that mass. And really, once you've gained those, those permanent, you know, depending on how big of a guy you are, those permanent 10, 20, maybe 30 pounds that you'll be able to keep from your first one or three cycles, everything else, you're just playing catch up. Anything else more than that, your body just doesn't produce enough androgens naturally to hold on to all of that mass. It's always going to try to melt away from you no matter what. Once you get into the competitive levels where you see these guys that are huge all year round, uh, they're on something, you know, m- most of the year. You get some exceptions here or there, guys that are uh, genetic freaks and just naturally uh, big guys and, in. Are we're gonna look ripped anyway, even without steroids? And then they put steroids on top of that and hard work in the gym. And they look amazing, but for the most part, most of us are mere mortals. Uh, that's how it's gonna work. You you will only keep those first pounds from the first three cycles. Anything else, it's it's a lifestyle. You because you're gonna be playing catch up all the time, no
1: matter what. All right, guys. So next myth. Myth number three, injectable steroids do not affect liver. So this one this one is, can be true and uh, depends on the injectable steroid. So um, Rick, I'm going to bring you on to this one. What do you think? Do you agree with that, that certain steroids affect your liver if they're injectables, but certain ones do?
0: I'm looking at a package insert on my desk right now from Nebito, uh, from the Bayer uh, sharing brand. They make uh, human-grade testosterone for the South American market. And in the package insert from Bayer, it warns you about testosterone affecting your liver. Any steroid is going to affect your liver. They affect everything from your cholesterol levels to even the way your kidneys function to a lot of different things, even the way your brain functions. So absolutely, they do have an effect on your liver. You do need to take Entogard with them. The reason why injectables are not known as much for giving you liver problems is because injectables are being compared to oral steroids and oral steroids completely wreck your liver. Oral steroids, you can only use them for a very short period of time. And when they start to affect your liver, they make you tired and sleepy. So the only reason people don't regard injectable steroids as hurting their liver or don't see them that way, is because they're comparing them to oral steroids. But I'm telling you guys, if oral steroids never existed and all we had were injectables, then we'd be talking about liver damage and liver support for injectable steroids. It's just because, it's just because orals do so much worse that we, we think uh, that injectables are, are, are close to being 100% safe, and they're not. You do need liver support.
1: All right, guys, I think N2 guards are a really good option on cycle no matter what you're running, and that's going to help you with all your organs, not just your liver, but all your organs. Too many people just focus on the liver. I think that's a myth. Everyone thinks, oh, yeah, I just have to worry about my liver. They don't realize your heart takes a beating on steroids. Your organs, all your organs take a beating on steroids. Even your skin takes a beating on steroids. Your prostate takes a beating on steroids, everything. In your body takes a beating. So you really need to run an all-in-one supplement or product. That's why I recommend EntuGuard to all my clients, seven to ten caps a day.
0: Yeah, and one thing about Entuguard guys, is that it is also a multivitamin. So uh, you don't need to take a multivitamin if you're taking Entoguard because that's already included in there. So Entoguard really, if you're on steroids and you – are taking a multivitamin, which you should, just take entugar. That'll serve as your multi. It'll also have liver support in there. It'll have things in there for your cholesterol, for your blood pressure, even water retention. I mean, it's all in, it's all there. It's 44 ingredients, very heavy, strong products, seven capsules you have to take per day. And, and it's all there. So it's also your multivitamin, guys. So if you're in a injectable, you know, Make sure to take that into guard.
1: All right, guys. Myth number four. And this one is really, really, I'd say 95% of people out there believe this. That steroids make you a great athlete. And this kind of annoys the shit out of me. Every time we see a player, you know, in a professional sport get busted for steroids you always have these geniuses that have to comment and they go on there and say, oh, yeah, they're just athletes. They're professional athletes because they cheated because they took steroids. As if these guys, you know, it's the steroids that made them professional athletes and not because they had the God-given or genetic, blessed genetics from their uh, mommy and daddy that gave them the ability to be professional professional athletes in the first place yeah they took they may have taken steroids and got busted for it the steroids gave them a little bit of an uh, edge a little bit but it's not the steroids that made them professional athletes have you ever been to an nfl training camp and stayed after and then waited for the athletes to come and sign autographs and seeing these guys up close they're freaking monsters, man. Their fucking arms are the size of your fucking head. I mean, they're fucking monsters, bro. They, they could snap a person in half, just, you know, like so easily. They're just amazing genetics. So the steroids help them give them a little bit of an extra edge. But it didn't get them to where it is. Like Lance Armstrong, okay, he got busted for using HGH. We all know the story. He got busted for doing HGH. Do you really think that you can just take a bunch of HGH and go win win the Tour de France? And if you think you can, then by all means, hit me up on the forums and I'll give you an HGH uh, source and you can go and buy all the HGH you want and you can go and fly to France, take your bicycle with you. You know, buy a $5,000 bicycle, take it with you, and go win the Tour de France next year. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. So, guys, it's, it's, it's genetics, man, that get these athletes where they are. That's the number one thing you need. Same thing with pro bodybuilders. It's genetics. Okay, all these pro bodybuilders, and I've interviewed them, they all have siblings or relatives who are also professional athletes. Like one guy I interviewed a couple years ago. His brother is a defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, Everson Griffith. And he is a pro bodybuilder, top 20 Mr. Olympia pro bodybuilder. Do you think that's just a coincidence? Do you think it's because they both use steroids? Of course not. It's genetics. They were born with those genetics. Obviously, you have to work hard. You have to train hard. You have to push hard. You've got to be mentally strong to get to that level. But yeah, it's it's the step one is genetics. Rick, uh this is a pretty easy one, Rick. Uh do you want to have anything to add to this one?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh you have to be a professional athlete first. You have to be elite first. Okay. And once you're in that elite core and that elite level, the difference between the number one guy and the number a hundred guy is not that much. They're 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 the the hundred the guy number a hundred and the guy number one. They all have 90% of it already there. And the difference between these guys might be 10%. That's why you'll get like a Barry Bonds that wasn't that great before Juice, started juicing, did better. But he was already a professional athlete before he added the sauce. You get a guy like Lance Armstrong, right? He he was uh, Lance Armstrong. He was paddling, not doing all that great apparently. And once he hit the sauce, he, he started to win everything. But he was already a professional athlete. Before he hit it. Vitor Belfort, the UFC fighter, we've seen him on steroids, we've seen him off steroids. But he was already a professional fighter before he ever touched the sauce. So if you are that elite level of athlete where you have the God-given talent, the genetics, and the drive to get there and be the top level, you know, be better than the top amateurs, be a professional, he throw some sauce on top of that. You can go from being the hundredth ranked guy to being in the top ten with a little bit of juice at that point. But if you're not professional level and you're maybe not even a great amateur athlete, steroids are not gonna make you. you know steroids are are not gonna are not gonna do it for you. You have to have everything else in place first because the guys at the top level, they have everything else in place and they just throw the steroids on top of it. It's why you and I can pump a lot of, you know, you and I can pump a, a bunch of steroids, and it'll it'll have some effects on our bodies, but it's not as profound as like, let's say, somebody running into a hundred-meter dash. Just a little bit of t- extra testosterone, just a little bit of extra Deca can shave a quarter second off of that guy's time and now he's got a gold medal, you know, you and I, we won't even be able to tell the difference if we can, if we run in a second faster or not hundred meters, we, you, you and I are just not pushing our bodies to that degree on a daily basis to really see the difference. So no complete myth. Steroids will not make you a great top level athlete. You have to be that first. Then steroids might make you win some shit, but you got to be it first.
1: You know, Rick, I'm going to prove you wrong, man. I'm going to take a bunch of steroids, and next year, I'm going to go out for the football team, NFL. And I'm going to make the fucking NFL team as a quarterback, and I'm going to fucking take my team to the Super Bowl. We're going to win the Super Bowl, and I'm going to come back on this podcast and prove you wrong. All right, guys. Look, look I'm going to take
0: some, yeah. uh, some GH and some MCA. I'm going to grow like another uh, foot or two, and then I'm going to join the NBA
1: you're gonna be dunking you're gonna, gonna be dunking on
0: uh, i'm gonna join yeah. the. End. i'm gonna take heh like uh like they be messy to get him to grow a little bit and uh nba that's 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 where it's at
1: yeah well in all <laughs> seriousness guys i'm sure there's a 20 year old out there listening to this and that we just you know ruined his uh his Dude, life because suck, he was planning on fucking. let me look man you should stay natty all through high school, all
0: through college. You should stay natty. And if you can get away with it in the pro levels, it might be worth it then. But if you, if you suck already and you got to take steroids just to be like a mid-level, higher-tier amateur and you got to take steroids and, and you want to be a pro, like, just forget it. All
1: right, I'll put it th- this way. Let's say you want to be an NFL player and you can't even start on your high school team be a starter on your high school team and get recruited by division one school, you're not making it to the NFL. I don't care how much steroids you take. I mean, that's, or if you want to be an NBA player and you can't even make your fucking high school team, then you're not going to make it to the NBA. I mean, there's some rare situations where, where some guys may have that scenario happen, but 99.9% of the time, you are already one of the highest recruited players coming out of high school. Every college wants you. Division one schools, the biggest division one schools. You go there, you succeed even in college, and then you, you you NFL teams draft you, and then you have a chance to make it. So I mean that's that's thought. So I'll put I'll put it that way. I don't want to dash some of your twenty uh, year olds dreams who want to be pro bodybuilders, but I mean if you even with a pro bodybuilder, if you didn't even if you weren't an athlete in high school, if you weren't like the first person picked when during recess in elementary school to uh, do something, uh, you know, on during recess, if you weren't the first person that was picked, you're not going to be at Mr. Olympia stage. You don't have the genetics.
0: And a lot of guys are that want to make it in sports are hitting the saws way early on. I suggest one thing many. Most of you guys out there that want to make it in sports, young guys that are listening to this uh, research steroids and you want to make it in sports, find yourself a good sports psychologist first. That'll go a much longer way than hitting the sauce. Because if you're thinking about taking steroids and you're not top level pro, like didn't make it there, but you're like, there's other things going on. And there's some really good sports psychologists that'll help you get over some mental hurdles that'll help you get over some really key things that are holding you back because it's a lot of it is mental. Yeah. Genetics, mm, genetics play a huge part, obviously, but we've all seen professional athletes that don't look like they have the greatest genetics. Maybe aren't the fastest, maybe aren't the strongest, but just the mental fortitude is there. The mental fortitude is there enough for them to be, you know, recognizable mid-level professional players. Just on mental fortitude, even if they don't have all the physical gifts of a LeBron or one of these uh, physical really physical athletes, you get a lot of brainy mental professional athletes out there. So if you're a young guy looking for, uh, looking for, for a way to to get into the pros and, and make a, a living out of playing something or fighting or whatever, get a good, make a, build a good relationship with a good sports psychologist, and that'll go a much longer way than any stereotypes you can you can do at this point.
1: I think in elementary school you can tell right off the bat you can ask any like third grade teacher and they'll be able to point out the two kids in class that are gifted athletically that like wow these kids are gifted athletically when we go out to recess they're the fastest they're the strongest they can do like 20 pull-ups you know, they can run like crazy faster than any other kid. And then they will can pick out the two kids in the class that are academically gifted. And in those rare situations, they might be both academically gifted and athletically gifted. You know, that's a Rhodes Scholar type of person. That's like Bill Clinton, former president Bill Clinton. He was a Rhodes Scholar. He was gifted both, um, you know, in both aspects, athletically and when it came to the books as well. So th- those are really rare. Um, those are the people that end up going, getting Oxford scholarships, Rhodes Scholars, and being, you know, very, very successful in life. Um, but, but the, so, the mentality, you know, the
0: mentality has to be there. I mean, I remember in, uh, in fifth, sixth grade, my buddy Miguel that I, I was in a school with. I mean, his pitch for a kid that age is just incredible. He was crushing it. Um, and then uh, he didn't start on the team when we got to junior high school. He didn't start on the team. There were, some, uh, he, there were a couple guys older than him in our, in our school system that were just incredible pitchers. And he just quit. He stopped playing even though he had a ton of talent because he couldn't start because there, was always, uh, there were these two other guys that were great pitchers, and he just gave up. Also, uh, another guy, Corey, great football player, incredible guy. Everybody thought he'd be an early pick. And uh, he got into drugs. He got into drugs and he's out on the street. So mentality plays a big, huge role. Big, big role. Mentality. So a lot of you guys looking at steroids, go get yourself a sports psychologist first. It'll go. If you're a parent trying to help your kid along, you're not going to patch up his mental weakness and shortcomings. By giving him, helping him get juice. All right? Get his ass over to a psychologist. Get his mental game in order. And he might not even need to touch
1: the sauce. All right, guys. That was a fun one. Um, the next myth. Let's go into the fifth. Uh, and we, we kind of already touched on it already, Rick. Working out hard plus tons of steroids equal Mr. Olympia physique. So following up on what I said earlier, you know, it's one of those things, Every how, like, every time, like, you know, they show maybe on Yahoo News or something, they'll show the Mr. Olympia champion, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't get much action, okay? Most people can't name Mr. Olympia who are even, like, in the gym, okay? I mean, we don't really follow it. But let's say, you know, they come, put out an article or something. You'll see comments from people, oh, that guy's on tons of juice. That guy's on tons of juice. Guys, that's a myth, Um it's not a myth that he's not on tons – that he's on tons of juice. Yes, he is on tons of juice, but it's not the juice that got him there. Like I said earlier, Everson Griffin, okay, he uh, he was a defensive tackle for Minnesota Vikings. He was a free agent. He went to a new team this year. Um, I'm, I think he's either a free agent or he's going to a new team. But anyway, he was a Pro Bowl defensive tackle Minnesota Vikings. His brother, I interviewed him on a podcast <laughs> – and his brother is also top 20 Mr. Olympia. I believe he's, he was number 12 last year at the Olympia, 11th or 12th. So it's the genetics, guys. The, these guys have tremendous – if you want to be top 20 Mr. Olympia, you have to have the genetics. That's the number one thing you have to have. And then everything else that Rick mentioned, everything else I mentioned on top of it. You cannot just take tons and tons of steroids. And I've interviewed Boston and Lloyd three, four times on this podcast as well. You guys can look up those episodes. And he – came a long way mentally because he used to believe that. He used to think, yeah, I can take four grams of steroids a week and I'll, I'll be as high as that. And he's admitted, the last time he came on the podcast, he admitted, you know what, I was wrong. You can't just take tons of steroids and be Mr. Olympia. You can't just follow Ronnie Coleman's diet, Ronnie Coleman's workouts, Ronnie Coleman's steroid use, HGH use, insulin use, drug use, everything that Ronnie Coleman does Sleep like Ronnie Coleman, live like Ronnie Coleman, and be Ronnie Coleman. You can't. If you followed exactly what Ronnie Coleman did, you'd probably die of a heart attack within like six months. You'd probably get injured in the gym because you'll be training way too hard. Your genetics don't allow you to train as hard as Ronnie Coleman. You would probably bankrupt yourself because you're spending all this money on food and steroids and HGH and all this other stuff you have to take. It's just not going to happen. And honestly, like the guys who try to follow these professional bodybuilder steroid stacks, you know what happens to them? They just get fat. They just get fat. They get big, big, big and fat. They don't stay lean because if you eat the, the amount of food that Ronnie Coleman eats or any of these professional bodybuilders, you're just going to become obese. You're going to be three, 350 pounds, 35% body fat because they have tremendous genetics. They can eat that much. And get away with it because they have such tremendous genetics that food that they're eating just gets partitioned into their muscles and grows their muscles. The food that you eat, same food that you eat as Ronnie Coleman, turns into fat, gets stored as fat in the body. Isn't that amazing? It's just it's amazing genetics, guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. It when it comes to professional bodybuilding, uh, genetics plays a huge role. Ton. You obviously have to enjoy hitting the gym hard. So you have to love the gym, one. Two, your body has to have the genetics and and you have to be able to handle the drugs. One thing you have to understand is that these guys, top professional level, they've been hitting steroids, some of them for a decade without pause. You know, when you're already holding on to 50, 60 extra pounds of muscle mass, they your body would naturally not be able to hold on to, you don't get to cycle off because your, your body will never make enough testosterone to support just these huge slabs of muscle that these guys keep on. So at that point, you have to keep your androgen levels sky high all of the time because as soon as they drop a little bit, as soon as they get close to like high normal range, you, you, a bunch of that muscle starts to melt off. So your body has to be able to handle these drugs for years and not get sick, not get messed up from it. And a lot of guys just do a, a quick short cycle and they like, like we discussed in podcast 308 Superdraw, there are some guys are like lactating out of their nipples and their back breaks out and, you know, they, they have jaundice and just liver, liver starts failing out of, out of just a couple of cycles and then you get top level pros that are using like orals for you know weeks and weeks on end a ton of um a ton of injectable steroids on top of a testosterone base of you know 1000 mg a week of test and then peptides and then SARMs in front of that and they're doing almost they're doing up they're trying almost anything you put in front of them um but they don't but they look great still look awesome so that's part of it. And look, and even if you even if you do love hitting the gym, and even if your body can handle a ton of drugs, then you're gonna get on stage, and maybe your calves are just too small, or maybe your biceps aren't just connected the right way, and and they're lagging, and or maybe you know your abs are are shaped kind of fucked up, and then you stand next to a guy like Phil Heath or a guy like Ronnie, and all those years of training and all that, those uh, expensive uh, steroids and you still look like shit next to them because they have those genetics and they could do it. So bodybuilding, bodybuilding is that, dude. Just ton of commitment, lifelong endeavor, and uh, genetics to, to match.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So, guys, next one, this is a, this is a, a one, myth or not. You don't need a PCT after SARMs. So for me, this depends. This depends on which SARM you're talking about, because some of these products are actually not SARMs in the first place. And um, you know, I can pull up all the SARMs that are sold by, you know, on our forums and, and by most SARMs sources. The most popular one, GW 501516 it's actually not a SARM; It's a PPAR agonist. So you do not need a PCT if you use GW. You do not need a PCT if you use SR9009. Very, very similar to GW. It's a REV-ERBA agonist. So what that one does, uh, they both actually help with fat loss and endurance. They are not hormonal. So, no, you don't need a PCT with those. And an Ulsterine. If you run osterine at 25 milligrams or less for four weeks or less, you don't need a PCT because it's not suppressive. But if you run it longer or you run a higher dose, you do need a PCT. Now, as far as LGD, you absolutely need a PCT with LGD. It is, it's going to be suppressive. Not as suppressive as steroids, but it will be slightly suppressive. Rad, stronger. It's going to be a little more suppressive. And then you've got Andarine; It's suppressive. So you gotta run a PCT with those. Now MK677 Neutrabol, again, it's not a SARM. It's a GH secretog. And with that one, you don't need a PCT because it is not gonna affect your HPTA. It's not gonna affect your pituitary glands. So it depends. And you know, um, it's you know, it just depends on which quote unquote SARM you're gonna you're gonna talk about. Anything else to right? Yeah,
0: and just like some of them don't affect you at all, there are some others that do affect you and will suppress you. Osteran being one of them. Osteran will uh, will take up androgen receptors, and so will displace testosterone out of these receptors. Testosterone won't be able to attach to them. There'll, there'll be more testosterone floating around your system for uh, for the aromatase enzyme to make estrogen, and it'll create the, the loop, the feedback loop to actually decrease your testosterone production. So if you take Osterin, you'd want to take even something like just AC Generate Classic on it with no Clomid, no anything. Should should be good. Um, look, when I've done SARMs, I've either done them with testosterone or with AC Generate. Why wouldn't I run SARMs just standalone? Why would I always use a either testosterone injectable or a testosterone booster mm-hmm. with it? because they just work that much better with the testosterone. Psalms are, are, are good. Again, I keep saying this. We don't know what their side effects will be years and years down the line. But for now, they seem to be on the short term fairly side effect free. But just adding an androgen, adding the steroids with the Psalms, just makes everything so much better. So if you're just trying to do like a good over-the-counter cycle that you can order with your credit card and, and not worry about much, um, GW and HG Generate ES. The ES will help boost testosterone, so that'll stay nice and high. Get GW, fat burning effects, uh, maybe some Osterin in there too. So I've done, I've done that cycle a couple of times and, and really enjoyed it. Um, the Osterin with the Cartarin and my HG Generate ES. It's just been a beautiful, beautiful cycle to do. And obviously, I keep the, the ES going a full four to sometimes six weeks going after I. I stopped the SARMs just to, just to be on the safe side.
1: Next myth, guys. Number seven, all steroids and SARMs are legit quality. And um, listen, we all want to believe. We want to believe. We, you, you ever see like movie reviews, people that'll go spend money to go see a movie, and after the movie, no matter how horrible the movie is, and most movies are horrible, um, but they'll go see the movie. they 're be like, oh, this is the best movie I've seen all year, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, this movie got fucking like a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. How the fuck is this the best movie of the year? Like, are you fucking stupid or something? But it's the same thing. We buy steroids, we spend $500, $1,000 on steroids and on SARMs, and we want to believe, you know, that, yeah, this is legit. You go into the cycle, you want to believe I'm going to get the best results. I'm going to hit my personal records. I'm going to get big. I'm going to get strong. And then you run the cycle halfway through. You're like, fuck, I'm not getting any results. What the fuck is going on here? So then you go get blood work, and then you get the bad news. You see that your fucking steroids, they're fucking bunk, or they're underdosed, or your SARMs are fucking fake. They're They're not even really SARMs. So you, you finally figure out, you're like, fuck, I got screwed, man. Out of $1,000 I spent on this fucking cycle. Well, the reality is most steroids and most SARMs out there are either fake, underdosed, or not what they're labeled as. And that is because of many, many reasons. It's not always because the, the source themselves are purposely doing that but it's because the sources just don't have the economic ability to test everything before they sell it to you. So they may get a batch of raws that might be really what they say, what they think it is, make the steroids, sell it to you. And then the next batch of raws they get from the exact same place in China is not really the same thing is something completely different. It could be, getting Prima Bowl and Raws, and then the next time, exact same dealer from China sends them DECA Raws. This shit happens all the time. So that's one of the myths, guys. That's one of the myths. You have to trust your source. You have to know the source that you're dealing with, and they have to be able to back up the shit they're selling to you. They can't just sell what they think is a specific steroid or a specific SARM because eventually people are going to figure it out. Uh, hey, something fishy is going on here.
0: Yeah. Sometimes the sores will get sent a uh, product that's underdosed. Uh, that's not of high purity. Other times they will have, have the orders, but run out of a certain raw where their supplier won't screw them, where their supplier will say, Hey, we don't have this raw right now. And then the the guy making it, the underground lab, just decides to to change the compound on their own. Look, I if you're the chemist mixing this stuff up, these raws become real familiar real quick. I'll give you an example: testosterone propionate, short ester stuff's more crystalline. It's more like a closer to the consistency of of something closer to sugar or flour. When you get into like deca with uh, the canoate ester stuff becomes more the consistency of wax when you have equipoise which is the undecylinate ester that's oil that's already liquid if you drop the temperature just a tiny bit it'll it'll start to hard, harden up so these materials are are you can become really familiar with them everything down to the smell and taste of the actual esters so uh, sometimes sources will send something that looks just like it is underdosed. That happens. But when, a, but when a source that's making this stuff makes such a huge mistake is switching out DECA for Primo Bowling, that Primo is going to have a, a, a shorter, waxier consistency. The DECA is going to lean more towards being oil, you know, more more oily you know you, you you can tell what it is by looking at it just because again the shorter esters more crystalline the longer esters become more of an oil you it's it it'll it just be it's not an easy mistake to make how about that guys so um so yeah sometimes sources get get sent underdosed underdosed product but when but when the product switched out and it, and it's not in in what's in it is not what you were trying to pay for uh, the source is doing it at the level because it's so obvious when when the powder is not what it is when you look at it when you've worked with this thing over and over again
1: the so following up on that myth number eight, you can tell the difference based on how steroids work in your body meaning um well I'll, i'm I'm gonna take it a step further. Um, I can remember back on the EF board, a moderator would say, oh yeah, you don't need to get blood work after PCT. I can tell by the way I feel that I'm recovered, you know, and that's, that's just stupid because that doesn't mean shit. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that you're still not suppressed, that your estrogen levels may not be low or high that your pituitary glands are functioning correctly, that your LH and FSH are at good levels, that your testosterone are at good levels, that your cholesterol is at good levels. It doesn't mean shit. I mean, it really doesn't. So you really need to run blood work after cycle. You can't just go by how you feel. And then on cycle, you can't just run a cycle and be like, yep, yeah, I'm running what I think is D-Bowl and I feel this this way and I'm having these side effects, it must be D-Bowl. That's that's a, you know that's definitely a myth. I mean, no matter how experienced you are, your bodies are constantly changing. So the way something may affect you on cycle one may not affect you the same way on cycle four, if, even if you're running the same compound. Our bodies change over time. Here's one, here's a perfect example. The guy who runs a bunch of Debo, a bunch of tests, a bunch of DECA for a cycle and he doesn't run an AI, and he gets away with it. He doesn't have any problems. But then three years later, he runs the exact same cycle, exact same dosages, same brand, same everything, same batch of steroids, and he ends up with gynecomastia. Perfect example. Well, I felt fine the first cycle doing things a certain way. Well, that's a myth. Just because you felt fine that particular time doesn't mean – Side effects won't change. Different situations change. You know, it could be maybe your body fat was higher the second time you ran it. It could be something else. It could be your body's just changing. So you really have to trust your source, know what you're using, and not go by how you feel. I really recommend blood work. Blood work is very, very important.
0: It depends what level you're at, too. If you can tell the difference in the steroids, if you're not that experienced, if your diet is not on level, if you have a body fat in the teens, no, just stop it. You're not going to tell the difference. Maybe you'll be able to tell the, the difference in side effects from one steroid to the other, some of the real obvious things. But no, you're not going to be able to tell the difference in the steroids. Look, when you're a top level, like my buddy, he's, he's a competitor, when he, 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 when he gets down to showtime, if he uses Torinobol, he holds more water, he says, than if he uses Anabar. And it's a difference because you'll see more or less restorations depending which of those two he's using going up to competition. You, on the other hand, where you just can barely see your top two, four abs, like you're not going to be able to tell the difference. Okay. So it really depends who you are, what level you're at, just how far you push your body and your physique. If you're pushing yourself to those levels, you know, know, low, low single digits body fat and, you know, things like that. Yeah, you'll be able to tell the difference. But if you're not, you're getting so so much uh, stuff that's been swapped out for something else that is not what you are paying for. And you just don't know it. It's been happening for years. You can't even tell the difference.
1: All right, guys. So steroid myth number nine. Guys on steroids look like they are on steroids. Walk into any franchise gym and you can look around. And I guarantee you that a majority of guys in there have used or are using steroids. Trust me. Because I know people, I know friends of mine who don't even work at. They haven't worked out in years, and if you talk to them, they'll say, "Yeah, I, I used steroids maybe back in college, maybe ten years ago, maybe five years ago. They used steroids. It's so easy to get steroids. I mean, it's it's just as easy to get steroids as it is to go on Amazon and buy a book. That's how easy it is. So they're not hard to get. They're not that expensive. I mean, a vial of testosterone costs less than a car wash. So." And, you know, these people, they've used steroids or they're using steroids in your franchise gym and they look like shit. I'm just being honest with you, Rick. They look like shit. And they're weak. They can't even fucking bench 150, 200 pounds. They can't even bench two plates. They can't even squat two plates. So, you know, steroids are tw- okay there you have a phillips head screwdriver your flathead screwdriver and your toolbox it's a tool that you can use to take things to another level to break a plateau but they are not going to automatically turn you into the next arnold schwarzenegger so this is the biggest myth we hear all the time and on the flip side i was natty myself i lifted weights for 13 years before I ever touched steroids. And during that 13 years, people would accuse me of being on steroids. So that shit pissed me off. I was natural. I didn't take a goddamn thing. All I took was some creatine, stuff like that. I never took fucking steroids. 13 fucking years. So you can look like you use steroids and not tons of steroids. That's that's my opinion. What's your-
0: yeah, it goes both ways. I've met guys that, use a ton of juice and look like shit. And I've met guys that look like they're on cycle and don't use anything, don't even know anything about it. It's an old man in my gym right now. Dude is 50, never touched steroids in his life. He's got world-class arms. I mean, his fucking arms are incredible. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have abs and, you know, he doesn't work out uh, his legs to, to match them. But just on his arms alone, you would think, oh, this dude's some juice or something. Because his arms are just incredible, world class. Old guy, like fifty, but no, never touched the stuff. Some people just have great genetics, and then there's some guys that I know that are using just are using the sauce, and you could just see see the changes in them over time, over the months. Where they were like they were like small, and then they just get puffy and red, and then they get small again. And yeah, it's genetics plays a big part. Some people can just work hard not even eat right, look great. Uh, Some people can watch their diet, take some steroids, work out, and they just don't, don't get much of anywhere. I think a real key here is for you yourself to learn where you're at. If you've done big cycles and you've done small runs and you realize that taking four times the amount of steroids is not giving you four times the amount of results, you know, knowing and finding what dosage you're, progress and results begin to level out at level off at where with dosage and and what amount of steroids, your results begin to, to the, the, the curve begins to flatten, right? Then you'll, you'll have a better gauge of, of just how much sauce you need to get maximum results. And, and at what point you're just wasting your money and, and putting additional synthetic hormones in your body that you're just not getting all those benefits from. So I mean, when I, I tell you guys, when I personally cycle, I keep it under a gram. I only do test or EQ. Once in a while, I'll, uh, you know, once a year, maybe I'll do a little, a little bit extra, something else different besides that. But just need a little bit, and look like you do just a little bit of juice. But yeah, I've done big, huge cycles with you know a gram of of test as a base. And then three other steroids on top of that in my 20s. I've done all of this. And um, I can tell you, I don't think I got like extremely four or five times the results running, you know, two grams, two and a half grams a week of steroids than I do running, you know, five to 700 mg a week. I mean, and maybe I had to go through that journey to learn that. But most people out there only need just... uh, just a you know, 500, 600, 700, and, and your results will, will flatten out anything more than that. It's just it's a diminishing return, so that's a, my spiel on
1: it. All right, guys. So, in the spirit of the COVID 19 lockdown, last topic this isn't a myth steroid topic, we're going to talk about a relationship topic. Let's say you're locked in the same chick. And you're going you, you both are driving each other crazy or she's driving you nuts what do you do what's the way to kind of center her packing without ruining your chances later on of getting some uh some free poontang? Rick
0: I'll bring you in on this one what's the best way to make her leave you said you're asking
1: best uh, way to kind of sh- Stubber out the door without seeming like a dickhead and ruining your future chances. Um, I mean, that can't end well because she's going to be like, how dare you kick me out? We're under a fucking lockdown. You're going to put me out there. I got no fucking way to make money.
0: You've got to find a way to make it her idea somehow. And if you can make it her idea somehow to go, then it'll be fine. But it, it, it might take you three days, four days. You know, one day you plant... The idea, and then the next day you you push her, and then day three, you leave her alone. Day four, she'll come around. It's the only way, really, for something like this, is it it has to be her idea somehow. If you can't make it her idea, if she's helped mental staying there, um, then you're going to have to just practice some self-control and go about your day and, and your life with her intruding in your space and be fine with that. And just take the situation as it comes it could be worse so yeah something like that bro you, you can't you can't say leave it's got to be her idea she's got to she's got to be the one to say that she maybe like to go i'd like to go here I'd like to go there and then you just keep quiet and don't react to it and then you make plans like, <laughs> like she said i'm going you know something along those lines if you're really desperate but obviously, yeah, definitely you don't want to come out and say it because even if she wanted to go, even if she's already thought about making, making a move, leaving, she'll still be offended because you suggested it and it came out of your fucking mouth. So don't. If she's already leaning that way, she's already giving you signals, then just help her push the rest of the way so that it comes out of her mouth. And once the deal is struck, um, you know, you, you know, you move on with it. That's it. It's got, it's got to be her idea.
1: Well, this is funny. This is something I saw today. Um, listen to this little short video. They, get, they have permission to, to, to play this. Listen to this video. Okay, Dad. You have two options A, stay quarantined in the house
0: with mom, or B. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear it? Yeah, yeah that's funny. Yeah. Who's this? Is, a, is this a, a kid or, or a guy or a man with his wife? Well, it's
1: a, it's a daughter asking the dad, and the mom the Dad, said. okay. Yeah, the mom's that. sitting on the couch and she overhears a conversation. So the kids asking B, the dad. B, B, B. Yeah. So yeah, I mean a lot of people are complaining right now. They're just getting on each other's nerves because every you know everybody has to work from home. Either they're laid off or they're working together from home. So they're getting on each other's nerves and the kids are home. So um you know, you know I, I i'm stuck with somebody
0: at at home and it's not and it's not great 100% of the time but i don't care it's fine you just you just use this as a time to practice to practice self control make sure that you double check and you're completely rid of of pettiness or any of these you know fucked up uh feelings and, and attitudes so you just don't be petty that's one of the things that's real easy to happen when you're locked in with someone and 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 the environment's a little tense, is to be real petty and and to be small-minded and all these things and and be at, at each other, exhibit low self-control. What was that? What you said, buddy?
1: No, I'm saying don't take little pot shots at each other. Don't you, be petty. You know, there's certain things you can say to piss the other person off. You gotta like I used to do that all the time in relationships. And um, it, there's no win when you do that. It, you can never win because she's always going to hold that shit against you in Don't the be future. Petty. So it's better just like, to walk away. Just walk away. But the the problem right now, Rick, is there's nothing open. So in a normal situation, you know, you could just get in a person. You could go to the park. You could go... Uh, open a
0: fucking book, you know?
1: So, I mean, go in a room yeah. and like crack open a book by herself. Then she's in the other room screaming, Oh, why don't you spend time with me? Why don't you come watch the show with me? So it's, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I understand why. Well,
0: you have it, an you know? issue there. See, that's a different issue you're describing because in that scenario, she wants you to be next to her. She wants you to, I mean, you know, it's not a, it doesn't sound to me like it's a bad thing. Maybe. Again, like all these relationship questions, don't get yourself in that situation. If you were in your house with a person that saying, hey, come lay next to me. Hey, come spend time with me. And you just don't want to spend time with that person. But they're in your house and they feel you guys have a commitment or some kind of pact together, but you don't really like her. And when she says, come spend time with me, it's a bad thing. See, I don't get that because I would, I would never have a a girl in my life that if she asked me to come and lay down and watch something with her that i would not like that or that would be a problem if if i find
1: if i find things leaning that way i'm out the door. it's not happening anymore sometimes people just want alone time sometimes just people just want to be that by themselves and you can't go you can't just go to the, it's like an in every sitcom like, and then one person just goes to the, down the street, the coffee shop, takes their laptop, does, sh- does some work on their computer for an hour or two, clears their mind and they go back home. That's what a lot of people go to these coffee shops for just to get away or a bookstore or something like that. All these places are closed. You can't go anywhere to get away now. So it's hard, you know, to be uh, in that situation. So listen to
0: this thing, guys. Don't ever tell some, somebody something's bothering you when you're upset. You hold that shit in and you wait until you calm the fuck down. And then when you're nice and calm, you take a little note of it now. Then when you're nice and calm, actually when you're happy, you're having a good time, then you go and approach the subject. Don't ever, because you'll never say it just the right way if you do it at the spur of the moment. So if she's doing something to will know you right now, you take it, you hold that shit, you hold it in, make a little side note. And then the next time you're having a good time and you're laying down and you're laughing and watching some Netflix, you approach the subject really calmly, really nicely. You say it in the best way possible. And then, you, and then you go back to, you know, then you go back to doing the fun stuff you were doing. Like, shit's yeah. crumbling. Don't go and yell, women. When you're frustrated at the moment, take that shit. Hold that shit in. Practice self-control. You know, some of these human interactions that we do with our, with our mates, with our friends, with whomever, it should just use all of this just as a way to practice self-control. Practice, you know, again, if the person's being petty, don't be petty back. Practice leaving somebody alone with their fucking pettiness. So if they're being petty and it just irks the fucking the way they're being petty, you just don't don't give in. Don't give in to that feeling and don't be petty back. Act normal. Just be a good person. Just be nice. Just be normal. Don't be petty. Don't do it back. Practice. You know, the don't just react to life. Have a plan and try to take every situation as a chance to practice at it for the next one.
1: Yeah. So I think one of the mistakes I used to do in my relationships, um, because I do a lot of work from home and, you know, I, it was a really tough transition for me when I, um uh, when I moved in with girls, I'm my previous places. I've had houses. I've had like three, four bedroom houses. So, you know, she could have her little spot the other side of the house watching TV or whatnot, you know, during the day until she had to go to work and I'd be in my office, close the door but like the place I'm staying on now, I'm very cramped. Um, it's only uh, like a one bedroom type of place. So, you know, I, it was, there was a lot of friction at first. So we had to kind of, she would get on my nerves. I'd get on her nerves because she would, she likes to sleep in. If she works late. I'm an early wake- waker. So I'd be waking her up. And then on days she had to get up early for work, she'd be waking me up. So we kind of we had a lot of friction then at first, but we kind of compromised. We talked things over. I told her, I was like, look, you know, on days you're working early, just sleep in the other sleep in the office, you know, just get the pull out bed and sleep in the office. And on days where, you know, you're, you're working late and you can sleep in, I will get up and I'll be quiet. I'll go use the other bathroom. I won't turn the fan on. I won't turn the exhaust fan on. I won't shout, take a long shower where you might hear it. And we kind of, you know, we kind of came to an agreement. Now, my previous relationship, major relationship, I had, was dating a teacher, so she had to get up early, really, really, super early every fucking morning. And you know, she she would ru- you know run the alarm. Bell. And we kind of came to an agreement where, you know, she she could have her alarm, but she had to turn that fucking thing off asap, and then she would have to go get ready in the upstairs bathroom, not in the downstairs bathroom where it would wake me up. So it's all about compromise. Um, You guys have to kind of come to a a compromise that works for both of you. But one of the things that I can't stand is when women are like, saying shit to you like that. And it's like, you got to like nip that in the bud because you got to be like, look, you know, it's not that you're a prisoner. It's it's that I'm trying to work from home. I got to, be able to concentrate i gotta be able to focus on the shit i'm doing and then you know i you gotta plan and look things are different now everyone it's virtual everyone's like so they have to be able to compromise on that and agree yeah you're not gonna blare the tv while i'm working you're not gonna blare music while i'm working you're not going to wake me up If you have to get up early at work, you got to be as quiet as you can. Well, sucks. This is my house. I should be able to walk around, you know, play music whenever I want. You guys got to compromise when you're living together. And that's hard. A lot of people can't do it. A lot of people are just so fucking stubborn and independent. They can't do it. So, and I've been through that before with women. So um, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to pull that out. If you're in a, in, in a small home, tight quarters it's downright impossible to pull that off so um but you know you've got to kind of compromise you got to give in a little bit she's got to give in a little bit um and you know it, it can work it can work so i have been talking to some friends
0: and talk to what people post on their on their social and yes a lot of folks are in relationships with people that they maybe don't really like that much they're not really good best friends with and so they can't stand to be locked in with them they start doing petty shit and another thing that contributes to being petty and making it difficult to to live around other people is you're not focused on your goals you're not focused on your things so you give the other person too much focus if you if you're focused on your goals and doing something important with with every minute of your day you won't even notice when somebody's trying to be petty They'll be sitting there trying to be petty, and you and it, may, it might take you all day to notice they were trying to do something because you're so busy getting ahead with your shit and your goals and what you need to be doing. So, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I remembered the conversation you and I had before about calling a girl back, and I said sometimes it might, you might go three days without talking to somebody and saying hi to someone. But well, look, dude. I'm going a whole day without really changing a ton of words with somebody. I'm in the same house with, no beef, no no problems, no friction. We're cool. It's just n- no time or room for a conversation, because I'm doing shit. If I'm not doing stuff, producing actual content. Then I'm reading up, and, and taking stuff in. So if you're if you are listening to this and you're sitting there just bothered by everything this other person is doing through your house all day. You're probably not worried about your, your goals and, and what you need to be doing enough to you. You're too easily, you're being too easily distracted. You have to accept that.
1: All right, guys, we really appreciate you guys listening to another episode. This was a fun one. So we'll talk to you guys next week. For Steve me and Rick. Have a good one. Have a good one, buddy.
0: Hey, uh, have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. And uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday. Um, this podcast is dropping on Monday. So our next podcast will be Thursday, and we will be doing another compound podcast. What will a compound be? Well, you have to um, listen to know. Good, big surprise. So see you guys Thursday. Goodbye, guys.